Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Bustin' Loose Baseball, hosted by Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer, gives you in-depth analytics and interviews on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Now, here's your host, Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. How about the, the Little League game? Let's talk about that for a second. I love that broadcast. Fantastic. Uh, like, I, I, the kids asking the questions. It's all kind of unorthodox, and it's, you know, from a TV standpoint, like, you can have some tech issues, and, and there's dead dead air because people don't know what they're doing. There's a lot of moving parts, but it is it is really, really cool. Like, the memories they're creating. We got to see Stone Garrett playing ping pong in, in the Grove with the players in the dorms. We got to see C.J. Abrams and, and Jeter Downs going down the hill on the boxes. Uh, we saw, I'm trying to think of the other neat things today. Josiah Gray did like an inning in the booth and, and was really good on TV. Um, just really, really great national exposure and attention. Then Trevor Williams goes out and shoves somehow six innings, two runs, uh, two hits, no runs. The Nats jump out to a 4 nothing lead. And so the country got to see what we've seen from this scrappy team for the last few months as they kind of whooped up on the Phillies for a while before the game got tight. Uh, all the way around, Tobes, it was a great day for the Nats. Yeah, it was really cool because, you know, I went into this a little skeptical, obviously excited about what the kids are going to do with the broadcast and all the stuff that's going on with the Little League, but I was like, oh, they're just going to talk the entire time about the Phillies. It's going to be the Bryce Harper show, and they'll mention Trey Turner and talk about the stupid ovation and all that stuff. But they ended up talking a bunch about the Nationals. You had Lane Thomas join the broadcast. I thought he was very informative and in what he talked about. You know, they showed C.J. Abrams going down the hill, like you said, and just all the little things that I thought were going to get overlooked. Like the Nationals uh, obviously won the ball game, and, you know, obviously we're a Nationals perspective, but I felt like they were equally stars of the night, and then they come out on top and win the thing. So I thought it was really cool to see them get this national exposure you know, we watch C.J. Abrams every single night. We watch Lane Thomas every single night. But it's cool for the guys at ESPN to be talking about, hey, man, nobody wants to be playing this team right now because they're kind of wrecking people's seasons. They beat the Red Sox in a series. They just beat the Phillies now in a series. And if you're a team that's looking for a postseason berth or you're fighting for your lives, you don't want to face the Nats right now because they don't give up. They fight. And if you slip up, they'll take full advantage of it. So it's really cool to see them get that kind of recognition and then, 
just obviously it being at the Little League World Series in Williamsport. It's something that I've always wanted to do, and I haven't been able to get out to watch the Little League World Series in Williamsport, but it was really cool to see all the guys and how they're talking about what they were like as little kids and how cool it was to be in Williamsport and just hearing the touching different things that guys were talking about. It was a it was a really cool thing to see. Yeah, I, I tell you what, I mean, you should go to, to Williamsport. I, it's it is unlike anything else you can experience as a sports fan. I had the privilege of going two times uh, many, many years ago when I was not much older than the players, as a matter of fact. Um, what what a cool thing. It, it was, I think, when the year one of the years I covered it, uh, Randall Gritchick was playing, to give you an idea wow. of the time frame. But uh, I was there. I actually did the sideline reporting for ABC Sports for two years. So it was Harold Reynolds and Brent Musburger in the booth, and they'd throw it down to me to do interviews and stuff. And some of the great memories of my life, you know, as a broadcaster, but just with my parents for that week in Williamsport, it's the coolest, like you can't be there and not have chills the whole time. You know what I mean? Same kind of vibes. I'm sure when you're at that cornfield game in Iowa, which I haven't mm -hmm. done, but it's, there's just a romanticism to it. Like I was talking to my wife today and I was like, I cannot wait to take my son. He's too young at two, but like when he's six, seven, eight years old and he's already baseball crazed, but like, to me, that that is that's dream stuff. You know, the, the father son trip there is like what dreams are made of. I'm not sure if you saw the video you mentioned, Bryce, of him getting all emotional about his kids. I thought that was just really good TV. Uh, yeah, it's it's just it's a great telecast and it's such a good idea. Whoever came up with it. I know uh, people kill this iteration of the commissioner's office and and Manford, but they have done some really smart, good things. The rule changes are working. Games like this are really, really good. And then, you know, take the, the broadcast and the Little League element away. The Nats played a damn good baseball game, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they scored four runs in the first. Now, they didn't have anything going offensively after that. But with Williams throwing six innings of two-hit ball and not allowing a run, Weems, clean sheet in the seventh with a punchy. Harvey was really good face four and, and got a punchy in the eighth, in the seventh, rather. They bring Mason Thompson back from the shelf. And he couldn't uh, finish the deal. And so they had to go to Finnegan who gave up a homer. But final score was tighter than the game. And, and Finnegan got saved number 21 and gave up a crooked number. Uh, one of, you know, run plus the inherited runners. But I just, I, you know, I thought it was uh, my, what I wanted was the Nats to, to have a game where the country saw what we see. Like, I didn't want it to be Trevor Williams, three innings, seven runs. And everyone's like, oh, the Nats are who I thought they were. And this is what I wanted everyone to see, right? Lane Thomas goes two for four. Manessis has three hits. Like, they strung it together. I think that they prove this is how they've been doing this, and this is why they've won seven of nine and 12 of 16 and 20 of 29, and they're 29 and 22 since June 24th, the third best record in the NL over that time. Yeah, and baseball is such a long schedule, Grant, that you can usually say the old adage, I think it's more of a football adage, but you are what your record says you are. The problem with the Nationals in saying that is they were what their record says they were when they were bad early in the season, and they were losing games that they should have at least kept a lot closer, and they were competitive, but they were losing these games. They're not necessarily what their record says they are right now because you rattled off how they've basically played over the last month or so, and They've been very competitive and not just competitive, but winning these games. They're above 500 and they're a team that 
you know, if they could have played at this sort of level throughout the season, they would have been talking about a wild card berth. They're not, obviously, I'm not trying to say that, but that's kind of the level that they're playing on right now. So, you know, when they roll into Williamsport on Sunday night baseball and people see the record of the Phillies versus the nationals, it just seems like, Oh, okay. The Phillies are going to steamroll them, but you're right. This is kind of the team that we've seen over the last month or so where they're competitive. And sometimes they go out there even against the teams that are better on paper or have a better record. And they look like the better baseball team. And that's a good thing that they got to do that on Sunday night baseball with everyone watching. So I, I just saw Keith Law posted something in The Athletic about the promotion of Dylan Cruz to double A. And I wanted to mention this real quick before we go. He says, I don't see much reason to jump Cruz two levels already. Although I infer from the move that the Nationals are at least considering having him see the majors this year. <laughs> Otherwise, it makes absolutely no sense. That's interesting. Now, I don't agree with that completely. Um, and I, it doesn't sound like Keith Law is citing anybody with the team or, you know, the firsthand knowledge of, a, you know, sourcing that information. I, it seems like he's guessing based on why else not send him to Wilmington. Having said that, though, how about Keith Law of The Athletic? Yeah. So one of the lead prospects analysts in the country saying, to move him up to double A and skip two levels now with still six weeks left or so in the baseball season, they've got to at least be considering the possibility of letting him debut this year. Now, again, I don't think that's the case. Uh, I think that you've seen plenty of times where uh, a really, really good college hitter plays at double A. You almost never see with all due respect to Nolan Shanowell or Ryan Zimmerman, <laughs> uh, the, the major league in year one, but, I just wanted to throw that out there. I think that's that's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's very intri- it's very intriguing. I don't necessarily agree with it, but you know, they have to be floating around the idea if, you know, maybe James Wood plays super well, would you consider a September call up? I mean, it's something that I'm sure that maybe got kicked around but kind of not really being thought about, but who knows if <laughs> if Dylan Cruz goes up there and just tears the cover off the ball for a couple weeks, maybe, but I kind of doubt it. I think they just kind of want to get all these guys into the right level and especially Cruz, get him, challenge him for the rest of this season and then start him there next year and see, you know, how long it takes for him to get to the big leagues. Boston loose baseball. We give you at least two pods every single week. We'll see what happens this week. We might be in line for three if something important happens, but this could just serve as a day early pod. Number one. Producer Darius, what do you got? Uh, so I just wanted to, as kind of like a final out for this episode, talk about I went to the game on Saturday, which was uh, interesting because it was a lot of fun, a lot of high energy early oh, that's on. That's a nice way to game. put that game. By yeah, the way. yeah, <laughs> it was interesting. Uh, there was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, a lot of high energy. Um, one of my favorite moments, I think, in baseball, and we've had a lot of it over the years uh, with, with Davey and with uh, – Dusty Baker, we've had a lot of those moments where the manager goes out to a young pitcher uh, in a tough spot, you know, let's say sixth, seventh inning, sometimes fifth inning, and says, hey, are you good? Can you handle this? And everybody in the crowd at first is thinking, oh, they're going to pull him, they're going to pull him, they're not going to let him have a chance. And instead, they walk off the mound and let their young pitcher stay out there and get himself out of the jam. And they did that, Davey did that with Jake Irvin. That was one of the coolest moments. I love those moments every time they happen in, uh, with our team and in baseball in general uh, to see him get that out, that third out of that sixth inning, uh, get out of that scoreless. He does a fist bump coming off the mound, 
uh, everybody in the crowd was like, super excited and hyped up, giving him a round of applause as he's coming back to the dugout. I just love moments like that, and I wanted to shout out um, Nats fans and shout out Davey for letting them stay in and shout out Jake for getting out of it. I thought that was a really cool, awesome moment on Saturday. Yeah, that's a good call. I mean, Jake Irvin, by the way, in his last 12 starts, over 65 innings, a 3-8 ERA. Wow. Uh, 58 strikeouts. Like, he's thrown the ball decently. Long-term, is he a starter in the rotation? Maybe not if everything goes the way they want. You know, probably depends on what type of pitching they're adding, how much they're spending. I'd prefer that you have him maybe as a multi-inning reliever, but he's been super competitive at the major yeah. league level. He's been far from like th this is he's on an Eric Fetty level, which is like the best pitcher they've developed and had at the major league level <laughs> in arguably 10 years. It hasn't been a disaster, right? I mean, I, I know that's yeah. a low bar, but um, he has exceeded my expectations. I will say. Yeah, we talked about him when he got called up, probably just being a bullpen guy after making a spot start or two, and now he looks like a guy that he's going to stick in the rotation the rest of this season and maybe is fighting for the back end of the rotation next year. But, you know, this is why I feel like this season's been so good, Grant. Obviously, the top thing is developing the young guys that are the future of the organization, but then having guys like Stone Garrett, like Jake Irvin, even Lane Thomas can be thrown into this bin a little bit where they just go out, they get an opportunity, they ball out, and now they're making Mike Rizzo make decisions. You know, like, what do I do with this guy? Where do I put him now? Do I trade him? What do I do? You know, if they all sucked, then he wouldn't have to make a decision because they just all be gone when the young guys come up. But instead, now he has to figure out where these guys fit. And then I can tell you, Mike Rizzo would much rather have to make some tough decisions on these guys than not. Yeah, it's a good point. And, and I will say, too, and maybe this is kind of what you were just saying said differently. But, like, this is what starts to happen when your system doesn't suck, by the way. Mm -hmm. Like, you you have competition now, like legitimate good players around you, and you see how they prepare and play, and you get better. Like, you went so many years where nobody was, like, maxing out or just coming out of nowhere to be really good. But how do you think that always happens with the Braves and some of these organizations? It's because you're seeing how dudes do it, and you're seeing what really, really good prospects look like. And it's no different than in your own job. If like nobody is a lot better than you that you're trying to, to keep up with, you you have different habits, right? And I just I think you're starting to see that where some of like Jake Irvin is better this year at the major league level and overall as a prospect than we probably thought. Jacob Young is is out kicking his coverage, right? Guys like Jake Alou are getting to the big leagues and and helping. I don't know if that, that that kind of thing wasn't really happening for this team for some time. And part of that is they were really, really good at the major league level and they were too good to give Jake Irvin this kind of number of innings. But a, a, another element that can't be ignored, I think, is like this is what starts to happen when you actually have enough dudes that you got good competition at the minor league level, which is yeah. cool. And yeah, it means and I, that Darius gets to see Il Demaro Vargas pitch in the ninth <laughs> inning. I, I was going to say, where where Corey is Abbott? I mean, my God, oh, should I tell my. the story that I'm as soon uh, no, well, yeah, I will as soon as Corey Abbott, I, I knew they didn't have anyone left in the bullpen. It was just like the Corey Abbott day and it was two innings left in the game. It was tied. I feel bad about this. I sent you guys. This is not a lie because I sent it to you beforehand. I took the over and the Phillies to win by multiple runs. So like they basically had to score at least, was it three and a half or three runs in their final uh, two at bats? Yeah. Yep. And I I just was like, okay, they're going to score four runs somehow. And, and it was like five batters later, they'd hit it. And I was Ugh. like, I, ha I hate myself. I hate this bet. I hate everything. 
and I, I want to donate the money to charity. Uh, but I had sent it to the Nats, <laughs> our little Nats chat that we have, and I was like, I, I just made this bet. I just feel – and it wasn't like I'm a genius. It's like this was the most predictable thing in the yeah. world. They yeah. have no bullpen. I don't even think Corey Abbott is that bad. Like, I, I don't even think he's the worst pitcher in the world. It's just these are the kind of days where this happens where there's no bullpen left. He's walking out there knowing he's on a tightrope with no net. Like, here we go. And it was a matter of time before they started stringing hits together. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask, I was just going to ask, where does Ildemaro Vargas now fit into the future of the bullpen? <laughs> I mean, the guy has two out appearances there, this year it, for him. He, it was a stellar performance. It was way better than Corey Abbott. Yeah. The that's the craziness well. of baseball. A guy that's an actual pitcher goes out there and gets shelled. And then a position player walks out there, gives up a home run, and then looks decent after that. I mean, <laughs> this game is so weird. <laughs> it is. It's a great game. All right, we'll be back later in the week. Boston Loose Baseball, episode 77 in the books. Thanks for checking us out.